Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are your analysis team here for Big Blue View, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis, news, all of that amazing stuff, New York Giants site for SB Nation. Today's episode, we're doing yet another hot takes and cold predictions episode. We're running out of time to have these fun discussions as it's seemingly official that the Players will be reporting to training camp within the next few weeks or so, and things will be kicked off. Now, in terms of what actually is going to end up happening is not exactly finite at the moment. Those negotiations are still going on between the NFLPA and the NFL, but it seems like we're probably not going to have any preseason games, and it's primarily going to be a heavy acclimatization period to replace minicamp OTAs all of that, prepare guys for the season, make sure there's no major bumps in the road for players getting sick, implementing proper protocols, all of that stuff is going to be worked out from now, the start of August, until the end of August when the season will be ready to get started in September. So, a uh, limited time to have these fun discussions before we have to go full on into analysis, breakdown of what exactly is happening during the season in games. Chris, it's it's almost crazy to think that we're, we're this close after a, a long, odd, up-and-down, tipsy-turvy offseason. We're, we're, we're finally at this final home stretch where we can finally watch some live Giants games and go back to our normal um, routine of preparing for the upcoming opponent and then analyzing the previous week's game. Yeah, I looked at the calendar the other day and it was like, you know, wow, wow. It's almost August. It, that just feels weird to think because it, it's been, like you said, such a long, weird, long off season, and you know, with everything going on, you know, it feels like it feels like it could kind of just keep stretching on for uh, what kind of feels like forever at this point. But we are definitely getting closer, and it looks like we are going to get football back in some form over the next few weeks uh, going into August and then September. Right. Everything is coming to this this final phase, and it seemed like at the, the very beginning of quarantining, everything was just a slow crawl until we hit the NFL draft. Was not as much to talk about at that point, and now we're just rapid fire. We're flying through this stuff. We're getting so close, so close, and hopefully things end up working out in the season at the very least starts so we do get to see some New York Giants football in 
2020. As I said earlier, today's episode is going to be another hot takes and cold predictions episode. Had a lot of fun the last time we did it, so we figured why not do it again because it was a fun exercise to analyze headlines surrounding the Giants and also for this episode, the NFC East overall, and then pitch our thoughts on those headlines. If you didn't tune in the first one, the way this is going to work is that I will pitch a headline and then the responses that we can give in reaction to that headline are, it is a hot take, it is a cold take, or it is just right because it makes perfect sense. Chris, this first take that I have is in relation to an article that ESPN published. I believe they do it on a yearly reoccurring basis of power rankings for NFL teams that includes front offices, roster, coaching staffs, how they can do in the next three seasons. And the Giants ended up at 29th, which is obviously not very good at all. That is not very good outlook from a a major media source saying that they have the 29th best future outlook over the next three seasons. So the hot take surrounding this one, or the take rather, is the Giants will be higher than that 29th best team in the NFL projection. Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to say based on how you worded that take and just kind of the realities of 2020, and I realize this is about three years down the road, but I'm going to say just right because I do believe the Giants should get better over the next couple of years. It's just that, you know, right now things are just too murky with this year to be able to say that, you know, they will take a leap and maybe get up to like the top 10 by 2021 or 2022. There's a lot of moving parts that we just don't quite know how they're going to work out just yet. We don't know what kind of head coach Joe judge will be. We don't know, who will who the general manager will be in a year or two. We don't know how all of the Giants young players are going to progress. I th- I suppose is the best word to use, especially with what has been a lost off season. Uh it's going to be a very weird training camp. Uh we are hearing now that there's could be absolutely no preseason, so a lot of these guys, maybe their very first NFL action will be an NFL regular season game. It's entirely possible that this year just winds up being just a lost season. But I do think, you know, three years down the line, guys will improve. Steps will be taken forward. So I do believe they will be higher than 29 in a future, future power ranking. I'm going to go with hot take on this one, too. Uh, The way that I look at the outlook for this, 29th is just way too low for this Giants team. And I understand, kind of like you said, this season is going to be a rough path for a young team that is still trying to figure out their identity, a new head coach that's never been a head coach before. This season is not going to be an easy path. However, three years from now, you're telling me that the Giants are only 29th in terms of the way that their roster looks? I understand their argument was based on the window for Dave Gettleman being on, on the on the closeout that it, that window is now closing. I understand that argument, but the the roster overall, the amount of young players that are on this team that are developing, 
they are going to be hitting a much better stride in two to three years from now. Those guys are going to be more comfortable. They're going to be at hopefully a peak or in the middle of hitting their peak for their true talent levels of what they are capable of. So to say 29th, I think is just way too low for this Giants team. And that is not a a Homer approach to analyzing the Giants roster for two people. And for me that, that constantly looks at this roster and analyzes various things in relation to this roster. I know that this is a much better team than some teams that have regressing and depleting rosters that are full of veterans that are not going to be around and playing at the same level in three years from now. The Giants have a better situation than a lot of teams that are just stocked up with guys that are over 30 years old that won't be capable of playing at the same level that they are now in a few seasons. Conversely, the Giants have that momentum. They have guys that are making mistakes because they're rookies, but when the times come, we could have a handful of those players really, really performing well at that three-year space in time. Chris, next take that we have, the Giants will finish as a top five overall special team squad. What I mean by this is overall, the Giants will have one of the best in the NFL punt return units, net punt averages, uh, lead the, not lead, but be in the top for punt blocks, kick returns, and all that, all those special team statistics that you can record. Because the Giants have Joe Judge, they will finish in the top uh, in the NFL for special teams. You know, I am going to say that that is just right again. I do believe the Giants will have a very good special team squad this year, and not just because of Joe Judge becoming their head coach. They had good special teams, at least good ex- good executing special teams, the last couple years. And Thomas McGahee is still there. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Tom Quinn is still there. A lot of the same players are still there, except possibly for Aldrick Rosas. That I think could be the fly in the ointment here. They have a a lot of good special teamers. They have good special teams coaching. They have a head coach that understands the value of good special teams, what that can do for an offense or a defense. And he has coached a consistently good special teams unit in New England. So I I have no reason to believe the Giants won't be a top five or at worst top 10 special teams unit. I'm going to go with just right on this one. I don't think this is too hot. I don't think it is too unreasonable as well as not being crazy enough. It's right in that perfect mark because some of these units they're going to really excel at. You have a returning special teams coordinator in Thomas McGahee who has been very good in his time with the Giants. You're bringing in Joe Judge who I highlighted in an article being extremely creative and aggressive with attacking punters. That is enough momentum, I feel, to lead the Giants to be in a very good position to be a strong special teams-based team. That is going to be the identity of this Giants team for the next few years. Riley Dixon is a pretty good punter. He's not a top punter in the NFL, but he's a pretty good punter. We're not sure what's happening with Aldrich Rosas. Casey Kreider is a former Pro Bowl long snapper, as well as 
having a number of returning players who have been top-level special teams guy like guys like Cody Core and Nate Ebner. So now if you add all of that into the equation, you're going to have one of the best teams in terms of blocking t- punts, at least top 10. They're going to have a very good return game, better than in the past, because of all the possibilities and guys that they could use in returns. And then I also believe that Net punt is something that is easily attainable because that is simply fundamentals and understanding where you have to be on the field, properly filling return lanes and not allowing the opposing team to gain an advantage because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because of this new philosophy from a former special teams coordinator that is now the head coach in Joe Judge, that will be the catalyst for the Giants being excellent on special teams Chris next take the Giants final roster will only have six rookies on it I I think we've I think I'm going to have to go with just right again you know for a third time for you know a couple reasons the first is that the Giants have a ton of rookies on their 90-man roster right now but while they've got a young squad for the most part there aren't all that many open spots where the giants have rookies you know they've got a lot of defensive backs but the top of those depth charts are pretty much set uh you know they've got a lot of linebackers but again the top of those depth charts are pretty much set i think the numbers games are not going to be in the rookies favor but also it looks like the practice squads are going to be expanding. And if we don't have any preseason this year and we don't have a whole lot of video coming out of training camps, teams are going to be really hesitant to make waiver wire claims on rookies because that means they have to make a spot for them on their 55-man roster. They're just not going to want to do that for a guy they're basically running on an old scouting report for and they have no current tape. So I think teams are going to feel a lot better about cutting rookies and trying to sneak them through to the practice squad rather than trying to stash a couple at the end of the roster and hope maybe some journeymen might just kind of be there on couch reserve if they need them during the season. So I think six rookies, even though the Giants drafted 10 guys and signed another, what, 15 or so in undrafted free agency, I I don't think there's going to be that many on the final roster. For me, this is a cold one. I think that six is a reasonable number, but we might end up having less than that. They obviously had more than six draft picks in this year's draft class. You have to consider the circumstances, and you touched upon it a little bit, Chris, This is a very odd year for training camp, and there are likely not going to be any preseason games based on the negotiations between the NFLPA and the NFL. The way that guys end up getting plucked off of waivers and in attempts to transition those players to practice squads is from scouting departments from other teams going and watching game tape and deciding they want various rookies. So now these scouting departments for other teams have no clue what these rookies are going to look like from every single NFL roster. You're not going to have a lot of poaching. You're not going to have a lot of teams 
taking other teams' rookies like we see every single year. So that allows for an added advantage for teams that if they like a rookie a lot, they can then transition him to the practice squad and just stash him there for the season. I think the Giants are in a position where besides the top-level guys that are going to compete for starting positions or contributing backup roles, if like, you th- think about Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney, Matt Peart, Darnay Holmes, Shane Lemieux, besides that, the remainder of those guys are going to end up likely on the practice squad. Maybe a few that, that I'm not considering do find their way onto the roster, but with an expanded practice squad, it is more advantageous than ever to put them on the practice squad, keep around more veterans, possibly sign other available veterans instead of having rookies uh, on your roster. Chris, we've got three more takes. Before we get to them, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Our fourth take on today's show is, by the end of 2020, the Giants will have the best defensive line in the NFC East. Chris, what say you on this one? Uh, I'm going to say that's a hot take. I think the Giants are going to... I think the Giants should have a good defensive line. I think it's going to be a tough matchup for most offensive lines. But just the realities of being in the NFC East... They have to get around the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line, which is good. They have to get around the Washington defensive line and that they could potentially have one of the very best defensive lines or defensive fronts in the entire NFL. Yeah, They already had a really good defensive line the last couple of years, but Montez Sweat started to hit his stride as an edge player at the end of last year. And then they just added Chase Young this year. So between those two guys, Ryan Kerrigan is still there. He's still good. Yeah. And then you, know, you still have guys like Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne. All of those guys are still really good defensive linemen, and they're all young. I'm not sure that the Giants are going to be able to get around them to be the best defensive line in the NFL. Or sorry, in the NFC <laughs> East. <laughs> I'm also favoring a hot take for this one because of a lot of the stuff that you've already mentioned here, Chris. While we really talk up this defensive line group 
being the strongest unit on this Giants roster. You have to consider other things around the NFC East, the other situations and defensive lines in the NFC East. The Eagles have a very good defensive line of just Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. You don't even need to go further than that than to consider those two guys. Now, they are veterans. They've been around for a long time. Possible regression is on the table, but not a guarantee. Very unlikely in this case. The Washington Redskins, I would say, are are close with the Giants, but have a leg up now that they added Chase Young. Matt Ioannidis is one of the most underrated defensive tackles slash defensive ends in the league, especially for his production last year. Also, like you said, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Ryan Kerrigan is also in the mix there. Very, very productive group and a good blend of rookies and, and veterans, not to mention the fact that you're adding Chase Young into that equation. So even though the Giants are continuing to develop into a very good defensive line, they're not there just yet for them to be the best NFC East defensive line. Maybe in a few seasons, once some of these groups end up getting disbanded because they can't afford to keep everyone, we could see that. But as of right now, for 2020, at the end of the year, they will not have the best defensive line in the NFC East. Maybe pushing for second if they have a really productive year, but that is just... Overly optimistic uh, for 2020. Next take, Chase Young will finish the season with over 15 sacks. So we're going a little bit outside of the Giants headlines and a little bit more into the NFC East ones. Chris, do you think that's hot take or no? Yeah, I think that's hot take. Uh, yeah, 15 sacks is a good season for anyone, but that would involve Chase Young resetting the rookie sack record. That was set by... And I, I actually went back to look this up just before we started recording. That was set by Javon Kurse back in 1999. So that has stood for a while, even though the NFL has gotten more pass happy. And you know we've seen pass rushers get just more productive and more productive right out of the gate. I think 15 sacks is, that's definitely a hot take. That's too rich. I think he could be somewhere around the Bosa's coming out. You know what he kind of lacks compared to them in polish as a rookie. I think he more than makes up for with his athleticism and the fact that he's going to be on that very good, very potentially very dangerous Washington defensive front that could create opportunities for him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him somewhere around somewhere around the nine to 11 sack number, but 15 and setting a new rookie record is a lot. There are some people who do think that Chase Young can eclipse that rookie sack record of 14 and a half. It's thank you for referencing what that number is. And Javon curse being the one who broke it, that would put him just over that number. If he was able to hit 15 sacks in his rookie season, I, I have to lean a little bit in between two categories for this one. I try not to do this, but I'm going to go with it here. It's in between a hot take and just right. I see Chase Young being in a, a such an advantageous situation with such a good defensive line around him with a lot of highly productive guys and defensive tackles that are good at diverting attention that that could allow Chase Young to hit that 12-13 mark better than the Boses, like you pointed out for sack production. I don't think that is unrealistic at all. A lot of people have talked about how Chase Young is 
possibly a generational talent. Some have considered him possibly better than Nick and Joey Bosa. Now that it might be a little bit too rich for us here, but based on what's around him, based on the diverted attention away from Chase Young and also NFL teams not really knowing what they're going to be facing off against him with this season, not knowing what to expect, that will open the door for him to have very early sack production and possibly get him close to that 14.5 number, but just barely miss it in my eyes. Chris, the last take we have for today's episode is Dak Prescott, who has been dealing with contract issues for what seems like forever now. He's going to be playing under the tag this season. He can't get on the same level with Jerry Jones in terms of that number that he wants to play on. Some people believe that Dak could possibly not be a Dallas Cowboy in a few seasons because of these disagreements with contract negotiations. So, Chris, will Dak Prescott sign with another team next free agency period? Is that, or, or the take, rather, is Dak Prescott will sign with another team next free agency period? Just before I get into this, how have the Cowboys not signed him? How haven't they just, to, you know, what, what, whatever you want, or maybe come up with a Pat Mahomes type number where it's a ridiculously long contract and a lot of money, but it's doable year after year. You go from Tony Romo, who was what he was an undrafted free agent, and he was a really good quarterback. And then you get another really good quarterback who last year was one of the best quarterbacks in the whole NFL. And you get him as a fourth round pick. How can a team get that lucky in consecutive with consecutive quarterbacks and not lock him up? I just don't understand that. And I'm glad it's the Cowboys and not the Giants. Now, as to whether or not I think this is a hot take or what, I'm actually going to say this is a cold take. I don't, I don't think this take is crazy enough. I'm going to say, based on how he, Dak Prescott does not seem to get the appreci- appreciation that he has earned and deserves, he is going to wind up being a New England Patriot. Assuming assuming the Cowboys don't hit, slap him with the franchise tag again next year and wind up having to pay him something like $45 million, that just seems like a move that somehow the football gods allow to happen. You have a player who is potentially dynamic with the right system and supported with the right players, but is just underappreciated. Those guys just always seem to drift towards new England. So I'm going to say that take wasn't crazy enough because you didn't put in a team where he winds up signing. I'm on the same page as you, Chris. I don't think this is crazy enough. I'm going to say that this is a cold take. But I'm not going to go as far as saying that he's going to be a New England Patriot. That would require all the stars to align perfectly. I don't know if that is going to be what happens because then that would require Bill Belichick to relinquish a lot of money to pay Dak Prescott. The The way that I look at it right now is they can't agree on a number. And even though Dak is saying he wants to be a Dallas Cowboy. He likes being a Dallas Cowboy. He's playing the short game of signing these tags and trying to see where he ends up. I I think that, and, and see if he can get a good long-term deal in a few years once the salary cap in the market is completely reset. But for me, I'm not really buying the whole I want to be a Dallas Cowboy thing. I think that he's sick of being 
pretty much disrespected. You're seeing his brother on social media uh, sick of the disrespect for his brother. I don't see Dak sticking around. I think that this is going to blow up for both Jerry Jones and Dak Prescott. Dak is going to say, I'm done. I'm, I don't want to sign the, the tag at the end of this year. He's going to do well enough that he's going to seek out a team like with Kirk Cousins. I think this is a very eerily similar similar to Kirk Cousins' situation where the team was was good and decent at various times under Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was producing well enough as a starting quarterback where he was leading him to the playoffs during some seasons, or at the very least, they were uh, 9-7, and 10-6, and six, one of the better teams in the NFC East. And then the Redskins refused to pay him and not tag him, and because they couldn't get on the same agreement level because they thought that, well, Kirk, while you're good, we don't want to pay you top quarterback money. We're not going to offer you that, so keep signing the tags. It's going to get to a point where Dak is and is just going to say, I'm fed up with it. I, I don't want to do what Kirk Cousins, Cousins did, and I want to take that huge contract in free agency to sign somewhere that it wants to commit to me long-term in the future. And whoever gets Dak Prescott is going to reap the rewards and be very, very successful. I, I think that fans might not fully understand how bad this situation is. And, and, and it doesn't appear as bad as it does maybe through the headlines and through the media, but behind closed doors, it is probably very, very tense with those contract negotiations because they can't, they are very far apart and they can't get on the same page. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up Dak's brother. Cause I have a feeling that that really kind of uh, represents or gives us a glimpse inside of the just at the frustration that has to be simmering in Dak's camp. You know, especially you see other players get the big long-term contract guys, guys like Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he's a very good running back, but he's a running back. As long as you've got a decent scheme and a offensive line that plays well together, you can get production. You if it comes down to paying a running back or paying a quarterback, you pay the quarterback. And I have to imagine that Dak knows how well he played over the last year and a half, how well he played as a rookie. And he has to know his worth and he has to want, or he has to know his worth and he has to want to get paid what he deserves, what he has earned. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of Hot Takes and Cold Predictions for the Chris and Joe Show. Getting really close to the season, so continue to tune in on our final previews that we're hitting on uh, so far in this lead-up to the end of the season. We also are having another mailbag this week. Already have a few questions sent in, so if you are listening and you want us to answer one of your questions, feel free to send them over and we will answer them on this week's mailbag on Friday. Also, be sure to uh, go and rate and subscribe wherever you may be listening to us and follow us on social media at Big Blue View, at Joe DeLeon, and at RaptorMKII, as well as going to BigBlueView.com.